Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. We're in week, week three of our series, God, Me, in 2023, and we are looking at keys to cultivating a God-centered, uh, God-balanced, God-seeking, God-fearing, healthy, and successful year. That, that's, that's what we're, we're chasing. We've been looking in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1 says to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In that passage, it lays out what I would believe to be uh, portions of the, the wisdom equation. And the wisdom equation sort of goes like this. Instruction plus guidance plus listening plus learning plus knowledge plus understanding plus discretion plus the words of the wise plus the fear of the Lord equals wisdom. We need all those things operating in our life for wisdom to take place. I believe this is our year. I believe this is our time. I believe that for my family. I believe that for your family. I believe that for our church. I believe that for our community. I believe that for our nation. This is our year. Somebody declare that right now. Say, this is my year. Say, this is my time. And wisdom is the key to unlocking all the unwritten possibility and potential that can transpire over the next 351 days until the end of the year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you'd breathe on it afresh. Give me a prophetic edge, not just to speak another service on another Sunday, but Lord God, let these words resound in the hearts of the hearer, whether in the room or watching online or watching a rerun of this message. Move with us. We need you, God, more than ever before. So show up in the room, Holy Spirit, with your presence. Show up and saturate us with your anointing. Lord God, give me a prophetic edge and give people ears to hear. Holy Spirit, what you're saying to us collectively and individually, in Jesus' name, everyone said... Uh, when I was a, a, a child, growing up in Australia, uh, my parents uh, would uh, purchase as a treat for our family Neapolitan ice cream. I think most people are probably aware of the luxury item called Neapolitan ice cream. It's a bucket of ice cream with chocolate ice cream and vanilla ice cream and strawberry ice cream all in the same container. And uh, I would eat that systematically. I would eat chocolate first, followed by vanilla second, and then pray that my sister would eat all the strawberry ice cream. Because I felt like strawberry ice cream was inspired by Satan. I, I don't know what your favorite flavor is. We're, we're going to send out a, a, a text survey in just a couple of moments. If you're not on our texting list, you can text the word planted to 97000. And in a few minutes, they're going to ask you uh, via survey what your favorite flavor is, chocolate, vanilla, uh, strawberry, or none of the above, which means you like cookies and cream. And so, uh, but that, that, was, that was my structure. For me, I, I, I think that the book of Proverbs is like the Neapolitan ice cream of the Bible. Because in the book of Proverbs, in each chapter, even though each chapter is unique, quite often it's not just one theme running through the chapter. 
Quite often you can have two, three, four different themes running through the chapter and the writer of Proverbs is just dropping nuggets of wisdom that don't necessarily have context to some of the earlier verses in the chapter, which is very unusual in Scripture. Most time when you're studying Scripture, you have to study the context to get the whole picture. But in the book of Proverbs, it's, it's like that. And so you can, you can have all the foundations of Luke 2.52 contained in just one proverb. Luke 2.52, the Bible says that the child grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and in favor with man. We see Jesus from 12 through to the time when he was 30 and stood up and opened the book of Isaiah, pretty much opened up the chapter and said, that's me right here. That's who he prophesied. That's who's standing in front of you. In that growth period, Jesus grew in wisdom and his, his soul, He grew in stature in his body. He grew in favor with man, relationally, and he grew in favor with God, spiritually. So we see Jesus growing in all these areas. And if we're going to be truly Christ-like, then we need to grow in these areas ourselves. Now, just like I have a bias towards chocolate ice cream or a bias towards vanilla ice cream and a hatred for strawberry ice cream, We all have a bias towards one of those foundations of Luke 2.52. Some people are all about wisdom, the soul, the healthy soul, making sure that your mind, your will, and your emotions are good. Some people have a bias of stature. You'll see preachers preach on prosperity or financial breakthrough or how to invest your money. That's a a priority to them. It's a, a bias. Faith with God. Prayer, fasting, worship, time in the Word, that's a bias. And then favor with man, social justice, helping people, serving our community, looking after the poor. Every bias in Luke 2.52 is incredibly important. There's not one more valuable than the other. We value one over the others because of our bias. We get four Gospels because all each Gospel writer wrote his perspective of Jesus from a bias. You get the same story, but four different impressions because they all wrote to a different audience and the way that they saw things going down. That's just how we are wired. And so if you have a bias towards the Spirit, then maybe this year you need to work on your soul or relationships or some of the things in your physical world. And so I, I love going through the, the book of Proverbs because it's like that. It tends to take something from the spirit and then something from the soul and throw something that's physical and something that's relational. And sometimes you can get that all in the same chapter. It's like, it's, it's like rainbow cake. You know, you've got the vanilla flavor, the color, is it, I'm getting the rainbow cake colors right. You've got the vanilla color and then you've got the, 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 the chocolate and then you've got the, the red. You think that with ADHD, I would like the red food coloring. I don't understand why I don't like, because red food coloring is like crack anyway. And so you have blue as well, don't you? Like the smir- Anyway, and so you get the, the, the rainbow, they're all mixed in. That's what the book of Proverbs is like. I apologize to everybody like me who's fasting that all my illustrations this morning are about food. People are like, so man, when you fast, you're like, you really feel close to God. I'm like, no, I just always feel hungry. <laughs> Trying not to get hangry. That's, that's just what I'm trying to do. The book of Proverbs is a rich book. It's a vast collection of wisdom thoughts that minister in a very practical way to the whole man. Our spiritual side, our physical side, our soul and relationships. I would suggest to you that whenever and wherever your life needs adjustment, when you identify an area in your life that say, you know what, I, I, need, I need to change that area in my life, I would suggest to you that hidden in the wisdom of the 31 Proverbs is an answer to your situation. 
And so I want to encourage you this year, we're studying a, a proverb a day, you know, going from chapter one to 31 in the month of January. I would encourage you to keep that a habit. Keep diving back into the book of Proverbs because if you're like me, it doesn't matter how many times you read that whole book, you're going to find something fresh and new all the time that God has. He's going to give a special uh, revelation to you. Anybody love God's word? And So what are, what are the keys uh, to cultivating a God-centered, uh, God-balanced, God-fearing, uh, healthy, successful 2023. We've been running through some of those over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, we started with this one, key number one, pursue wisdom. Uh, this is ministering to our, our soul. That's the soul part of the cake. My son, if you receive my words, treasure up my commands within you. Make ear your ear attentive, attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of wisdom. Look at those words. Receive, treasure up, be attentive, incline your heart, call out, raise your voice, seek it, search for it. None of these words are passive. Every one of these words is active. They are aggressive. They are things that you've got to do. You've got to chase after wisdom. Wisdom is not going to chase after you. And I would suggest to you that if the wisest man in his generation, Solomon, chased after other people to get wisdom. Even though he asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom, he was wise enough to know he doesn't have all the wisdom. And so when you read the book of wisdom, not every proverb in there was personally written by Solomon. Some of those are a collection of wise thoughts that he got some, from somebody else. So all of Proverbs 31 is from King Lemuel, and these are sayings that King Lemuel's mum said, and obviously Solomon thought that's one wise woman and put it in Proverbs and we get her wisdom. So you're going to chase after it. It's active. It's, it's passionate. You can't just roll into one year and think wisdom is going to look after itself. If you want to do better in the things of God, you've got to chase after wisdom, and the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Here's the second thing, trust the Lord. This really ministers here to our physical world. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your income, with your money, and honor him with the first fruits of your produce. Biblically, God, I guess, could ask you for all your money because he's God. But God doesn't do that. God asks for a first fruit offering. We would call that a tithe. God says, bring the tithes into the storehouse. Be a, a giver, take a portion that you set aside, which is the Lord's. It's not yours, it's the Lord's. And you honor God by bringing that to God, to the house of God. You honor God with your wealth. And the Bible says here that when you do it, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I love, I'm just going to be honest with you. I love this principle. And I don't love this principle because I'm a pastor. I engaged this principle long before I was in ministry. It was one of the very, very first things I learned as a Christian, as a young man, trusting God with my finance. And I found as a young man, well before I was in ministry, if I trusted God with my finance, God blessed me over and over and over and over again. Even when I didn't understand it, I just did it and God blessed me over and over and over again. Now as a leader, as a mature Christian, having watched God be you know, honorable as I honor Him over all these years, it's hard for me to wrap my head around Christians who love God that would say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Because it doesn't make sense. Because the equation of God, the abundance of God is mind-blowing. Think about this. God says, look what he says here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You, you have a harvest of grapes. You're going to make wine out of the grapes. 
your assemblies of God, so you're going to make totally non-alcoholic wine out of the grapes. Not a smidgen in it, not even a smell. Nothing. Zero. Minus 50% alcohol. There's going to not even less in there. Anyway, so you're going to make the grapes, and you're going to make the wine, and God says, or the, the grape juice. Let's go with grape juice. Is that better, Pastor Dan? You're going to make grape juice, and you're going to make a fortune on grape juice. And God said, but what I want you to do is before you put all the grapes in, I want you to take a portion of the grapes and I want you to invest it in my kingdom. Then when you make the grape juice, your vats will be bursting. I'll do more with the remainder than you could have done with the whole. But it begins here where you've got to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your path. You can't honour God unless you trust God. But once you trust God, it's easy to honour God. And once you honour God, God will pull the blessing back into your hands. I don't know about you, but that pumps me up a lot right there. Spoke about this last week, guard your heart. Keep your heart with vigilance because out of it flow the issues of life. I won't repeat the teaching because I spent some extensive time last weekend talking about that. And so I'd encourage you to go to our website and look up last week's video on how to set up a security team to guard your heart. Suffice to say this, I believe it's imperative that we keep the heart of a marshmallow and the hide of a rhinoceros that we protect and guard our heart from coming under attack. And every one of our hearts is going to come under attack at some point. Someone's going to reject you. Someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to let you down. All you need, listen, all you need to be hurt and all you need to be let down and all you need to be uh, disappointed, all you need to do to get any of those is just exist. Just live. Just live with people. Go to work. Go to church. Hang out with people. As soon as you open yourself up, the, up to that. And so we've got to guard our heart. Number four, be teachable. This ministers to us relationally. And you say, chapter five, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to instruction. So here, or sorry, incline my ear to my instructors. So here... The wisdom is, I've messed up. I should have listened. I didn't take notice. I ignored what people said. They're trying to give me good advice, but I did it my way. I ignored everything that they had to say. Some, some time ago, my, my gorgeous bride, Anna, well, I should say Dr. Anna Rebecca, very, very cute and beautiful, Morgan, was actually her full title, name. Um, she, she, we're talking about ministry. And she said, when you think about it, all ministry really is, is just a series of really difficult conversations. Sometimes it's just a difficult conversation trying to help somebody, you know, coping through a tragedy. And so you're trying to get them to the other side and that's hard and you, you feel their pain and you're trying to walk them through it. Or so sometimes somebody uh, has, you know, had somebody do something horrible to them. And so you're trying to help them navigate through some counseling or some help how to deal with that situation. There's all sorts of situations that come, but generally it's just a series of very difficult uh, conversations. Sometimes the difficulty is in the content, just an unpleasant thing to deal with. But most of the time, for me personally, it's just the difficulty of um, the anticipated response to the conversation. Most people hate discipline. Most people despise reproof. Most people refuse to listen. And according to this proverb, they're very like it. They uh, are not interested in instruction. My, my number one frustration as a pastor is the seemingly endless conversations I've had with people that just won't listen, can't listen, simply, absolutely, hands down, refuse to listen. 
It used to surprise me. It used to frustrate me. It used to annoy me. Uh, it used to make me sad. For a long time there, I, I, I took it personally uh, as, a, as a leader, but I don't do any of those things anymore because I, I, I've learned Proverbs 21 verse 2 is correct. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. So now I, I go into most conversations anticipating no matter what I say, you're going to ignore everything I say. No matter how much I try to help you, no matter how much we lay it out, even if I can point you to Scripture and show you how it works in the Bible, I've learned you've already made up your mind, you're going to ignore everything I have to say, and you're going to do it your own way. Most people are going to do what they've decided to do. Most people refuse to consider the consequences of their choices and their actions. That to me is one of the saddest things. You talk to somebody about something and you know there are consequences to the decisions that they're going to make. And for me, most of the time, those consequences are not just for the person making the decision, but I see parents making a decision that I know is going to impact their children. And I look at the decision, I'm thinking, do you really need to make that call? Have you really thought through the consequences for your children? Somebody put it like this, I said, what walks in the fathers runs in the sons. So we can't be surprised if we do it our own way, refuse to listen, make bad choices, just do things relentlessly. And then our children watch that. And later on, they're doing all the things that we don't want them to do, yet we've modeled all that behavior over the years. Don't sit around the dinner table gossiping about people. Don't, sit, don't, don't go home from church having roast pasta for lunch. It doesn't change my life. You can sit at the table and talk smack about me all lunch. You shouldn't be at lunch because you're fasting. <laughs> There's where the problem begins. But maybe you're in your house and you're sitting around, sitting around the table and you are fasting. And so your plates are empty and you're just pretending that you're eating food. It doesn't change me but your children are listening and you're giving them permission to be critical. You're giving them permission to, does that make sense? So, so if you do that when they're five, don't come to me when they're 16 and hand them to us and say, your youth pastor needs to undo all the things that I've done over the, we can't do it. Not in the short time that we have once a week. So whatever you want to prioritize in your children's life, you need to model in your own life. If your desire is for your five-year-old to love church when they're 16, make church a priority in everything that you do, the way you talk about it, the way you attend, the way you serve, and if you model. Now, there's no guarantee that's going to happen, but I can pretty much guarantee that if you go the other way, that's going to happen. So make sure your conversations don't sit around. I'm not just talking about church. Don't, don't bag out on your boss. Don't bag out on the neighbors. Don't bag out on other Christians. Use wisdom because you're modeling all those things. Most people would prefer to empower their excuses than embrace wise advice. They would rather believe the accusation of your motivation than be diligently listening to your advice. And now, before we go anywhere, so you, you, you all get this, I totally understand if people are talking to me that I, because I know myself very well, do not have a monopoly on wisdom. You may come and talk to me about something and I have no idea how to help you. That has happened multiple times. But I would say, I do know I don't know what I don't know. You shouldn't know what you don't know, but I generally know what I don't know. And I can look at that and go, I don't know that. 
So if I don't know what I don't know, I want to go to somebody who does know what I don't know. And then if I can go to somebody who does know what I don't know, then I can know what I didn't know before because I went to somebody who does know what I don't know. And I have a whole heap of people like that in my life. I surround myself with people like that. I make very few decisions in my life without going to my bride and saying to her, Hannah, what would you do in this situation? Nine times out of 10, totally from a different perspective that I would deal with, but I get her wisdom and I'm able to mesh the wisdom together and come out the other end, hopefully with a good decision. I don't have one friend in my life that has a monopoly on all wisdom, but I do have a lot of friends that are wise and so I can tap into that. I am smart enough to know that if the smartest man in the world said that he needed friends to make his world bigger, then I probably need people in my life to help me get bigger. I, I think we're all just like that. Most of Proverbs Solomon wrote, but there are bits of Proverbs that he just got from smart people and he gets the credit for it because he was smart enough to go to smart people. Proverbs 23 verse 9 says, Don't waste your breath on fools, for they will despise the wisest advice. I've tried to help people get into ministry who've never been in ministry, but they know how to get into ministry better than I know how to get them into ministry. I try to people get people restored back into ministry through a process, but they feel like they need to get, they know how to get restored into ministry better than I would know trying to restore them back into ministry. And neither of those people that react like that are in ministry today. Does that make me smart? No, it's just there's processes, no temptation has come upon you except that which is common to man. I'm in ministry, so I know how to get here. You're not in ministry. I'm not talking about you, the person I'm talking to. So you've never been there. I can tell you how to get there. Like if you wanted to go and visit my parents' house where I lived when I grew up, I can get you there. But it'd be a little harder for you to get there if you have no idea even what the address is. You at least need to get the address, but I can give you directions from here how to get there systematically because I've been to my parents' house. And, and there's a lot of life like that. Go to people who are where you want to be. If you're a business person and you want your business to prosper, find somebody in your world that are, with a business that's going way beyond where you are right now and build relationship with them so you can get to where they are because that's where you want to be. Proverbs 5 verse 9 to 11 says, when you don't listen, you give your honor to others, your, your years to the merciless, you give strangers will be able to take their fill of your strength, your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and at the end of your life you groan and your flesh and body are consumed. So the writer of Proverbs is like, listen, you don't need to end up in the mess. Avoid the mess. Don't go near the mess. We're trying to keep you away from the mess. But if you don't listen, you'll end up and he lays out what the mess will be. Key number five, value diligence, effort, and hard work. This just ministers straightly to our physical world. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Here's what wisdom says. Wisdom says, I am motivated, I am not lazy. Wisdom says, I am diligent, I am not apathetic. Wisdom says, I'm future-minded, I'm not just living for the moment. I am disciplined, I push back on average, and the temptation to settle for mediocrity. Wisdom says, I am reliable, I am not rebellious, I am not visionless. I am teachable. Wisdom says poverty is not my friend. There's nothing romantic about poverty. It is a thief, it is a robber, and it is destructive. 
Number six, love the Word of God. This ministers to our spiritual world. My son, keep my words, treasure up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. You want to be successful in 2023? You got to fall back madly in love with the Word of God all over again. I don't care if you've read the Bible dozens of times, read it again. If you've never read it, start reading it. If you can't read, then have it read itself to you. If you have a smartphone, you can download version. It gives you multiple versions of the Bible. It'll probably even put it in your language. And if you're not a great reader, I'll do this in the car every now and then, push the play button and the Bible reads itself to you. But if we're gonna build on a great foundation in 2023, then we need to get hungry for the things of the Word of God. We need to be passionate about the Word of God. We need to say, God, I've hidden your Word in my heart so I won't sin against you. How can I cleanse my way? By taking heed according to everything that is written in the Word of God. I need to be sanctified through the truth. What is the truth? God's Word is truth. Don't be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By renewing of our mind. How is our mind renewed? Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Fall in love with the Bible. Fall in love with the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, don't have access to a Bible, talk to one of our pastors, talk to one of our team. We will work to get a Bible in your hands. One of the things that we're planning to do in the vision, we cast vision on the beginning of February, is we've got uh, working on our new Christians uh, resource pack. And we're going to have a Bible in there and a book and different things like that. I, I believe that we all need to fall madly and passionately in love with the Word of God again. Anybody in the house believe that to get with the Word of God? Number seven, consider your conversation. When words are many, transgressions is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Life and death are in the power of our conversation. If, if, if here, where it says the lips of the righteous feed many, if your lips are feeding people, if your words are feeding people, what are they, what are they eating? Well, it's my right to speak my mind. I, I, I don't know if it was Spurgeon or somebody like that. This woman came up, was one of those old time preachers. And she said to him, um, my gift from God is my, 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 my talent is to speak my mind. And he said, I'm pretty sure that's one talent that God wouldn't mind you burying. Because it's not always helpful. If people feed off your conversation, are they going to get better or are they going to get worse? If, you, if they feed off your conversation, they're going to get closer to God or further away. If they feed on your conversation, they're going to believe the best in people or believe gossip. What are, when people feed on your conversations, are they better for it or are they worse off? Number eight, create access to smarter people. Sort of touched on this a little bit, but I think it's worth touching on again. Proverbs 9 says, Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Let me, let me go over those again. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man. So you're giving instruction to somebody who's already wise and he'll still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he'll increase in learning. So the pursuit of wisdom says, if I'm gonna be wise, I need to surround myself with people who are wise. And I need to find access ways to people who can help me grow. How can I be faster, stronger, smarter, better at the end of 2023 than when I was when I went into it? 
Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And not everyone has good advice. You've got to find the wise people. I, I, I try to have over my life mentors and heroes. So a mentor is different than a hero. A hero is somebody I respect, love where they're at, inspired by their life, but I don't have any personal connection. They may be dead. They may be on the other side of the world. They may be out of contact. A mentor is somebody who inspires me by how they live, but I do have connection. And I believe that we all need mentors. We need to create pathways and roadways to bigger levels of connection. And you can do that, but you just have to be strategic. How do you want to be better this year? Where do you want to grow? And who can bring that input into your life? How can you get that input? There's somebody in your world or somebody just outside your world that you can draw on to bring input into your life. And sometimes you have to make a roadway. Solomon was known to be the smartest man in his generation and the wealthiest. God had said, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for long life, didn't ask for money, didn't ask for revenge, asked for wisdom. The Bible says God gave him wisdom. He was smarter than everybody else. The queen of Sheba heard about that. And she said, I, I need some mentoring. I'm a ruler, I'm a leader, I'm the queen. He's the king. So I need some mentoring from the king on how to handle situations. But she didn't have any relationship or connection. So she sent money and resources, gold and silver and resources to the man who did not know, need any money. He, he was the wealthiest man in the world. She sent money to the person who didn't need any money, didn't need her money, but she sent it, why? As an act of honor to try to create a doorway. The Bible says a man's gift opens doors for them. It's your gift that will open a way. That's not talking about your talent. That's talking about you giving money. A, a wise man's gift will open doors for them. And so what she did was she wanted Solomon to open the door of wisdom to her. So she opened the door to Solomon. She opened a door to the door opener. And she did it by showing honor and showing and, and creating a roadway. Some years ago, I, I, I wanted to build a relationship with a man of God in Australia. His name's Phil Pringle, and uh, Pastor Phil led a movement that I wasn't connected to. I was a part of the Assemblies of God. He was a part of Christian City Church and their international movement. And so I, I, I'd met him every now and then, but I didn't really know him, wasn't a friend, but I wanted him to come to our conference. I wanted him to come to our conference for a couple of reasons. I wanted him to come to our conference and minister to our people ministers powerfully in the Holy Spirit and I wanted that to happen at our conference. I also wanted him to come to our conferences. I wanted to get to know him. I wanted to be his friend. I wanted to try to create a door to somebody who could open a door on the wisdom that I felt like he had that I didn't have and his experience way beyond anything I've ever done. So I write an email and I send it out inviting him to come to our conference, come and be our speaker. Gave him the dates, got a reply back pretty much straight away saying cannot Come those dates, I'm scheduled, I'm busy, uh, I can't be there in that week. So I sent another email back saying, hey, I, you, I, obviously you can't be there for five days, I get that, but can I fly you out Monday and you speak Tuesday and I fly you back Wednesday? Or I could fly you in Monday, speak Monday night, fly you back Tuesday. Is, is there a day that week that you not schedule that you could come and I'll fit into your schedule any way that we can? And I got a response back from his office, not even sure he saw that, from his secretary saying, sorry, week scheduled, I can't be there, I can't show up, you know, bad luck. It didn't say that, but. And so I called a friend of mine who knew him. And I said to him, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll fly him and his wife business class. I'll put them in the nicest hotel in town. Uh, if he wants to go skiing, I think I even threw skiing in. I know he likes skiing. I'll give him a ski trip, whatever he needs. He wants to fly in Tuesday and fly out Wednesday morning. I'm happy to do that. Whatever, whatever I need to do to get him into our world, I want to do that. Now you may say, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's why you don't know Phil Pringle. That's why he's my friend, not your friend. That's why if I need advice from him, I can call him and I'm going to get advice. That's why you're not connected. Now, maybe you're not connected because you have no idea who he is, but you get the principle. 
And so that's what I did. And I get an immediate response saying, I, can, I can't do that date, but I can do that date. Can you have me in here? I need to come in here. I need to be out here. I've got other commitments. And so he made a way in his jammed out week to come for a day to our conference. And now I've got relationship and friendship with him. Simply why? Because I opened the door to the door opener. Was it worth the opening? Oh, you better believe it was. You just got to open doors for people. Who in your world do you need to connect with to make you bigger and better? Number nine, refuse to live with a lack mentality. One gives freely. I love this scripture. It is so God. One gives freely, uh, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds more than he should give and he oversuffers want. Whoever brings a blessing will be enriched and one who waters will be watered himself. Doesn't this sound counterintuitive? Because that's how it's written. It's almost like the writer of Proverbs is like, this doesn't really make sense. But I've observed this. If you, if you hold it, you'll lose it. If you, if you keep it, try to keep it, you'll lose it. But if you open your hand and you give it away so you don't have it, you'll actually get back more. He's like, I, I, I don't get that. That doesn't, make, that doesn't make sense. You would think if I give it away, I've lost it. If I hold it, I've got it. But he's like, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. If you give it away, God will give it back. If you water, you'll be watered yourself. God says, whatever action you take, I'll respond to your action with a similar action. So if you bless, God will bless you. If you forgive, God will forgive you. If you show mercy, God will show mercy to you. If you give, God will give back to you. If you look after God's house, God will look after your house. If you're generous to other people, God will be generous back to you. The downside of that, he says, if you judge, not only am I gonna judge you, but I'll judge you according to how you judged. Now, we are called to make judgments. But before you make a judgment, because as Christians, it's okay to make a judgment. But before you make a judgment, he says, consider how you're making your judgment. Because while you've got to make a judgment, if you make it unrighteously or make it with aggression or make it with revenge and you judge unrighteously, then you're going to be judged back with the measure that you judge somebody from. So while we need to make judgments, we should judge from mercy. We should judge from grace. We should judge from restoration. We should judge from forgiveness. We should judge from seeing people restored. We want to judge from the heartbeat of God, not the aggression and vengeance of man. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Here's what I, I, I love about God this year, and every year, not just this year. But if you do it God's way, you can enjoy abundant blessing without needing to experience abundant stressing. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Here's the last one. Number 10, don't, don't be so easily offended. This will help you. This ministers to our soul. The vexation of a fool is known at once. Uh, the, the Message Bible says, fools have short fuses and explode all too quickly. The vexation of a fool is known at once but the prudent ignores an insult. The prudent quietly shrugs off insults. The vexation of a fool. How many people hate this passage of scripture right here? How many people are like, well, I've been a fool on more than one occasion according to this. Anybody in the house or is it just me? Anybody like, I've been vexed many times. I've had more vexing than someone who's been vaccinated with the coronavirus. Totally vexed. 
and I've been boosted with vexation. My, my natural personality is zero to 60 in seconds. I am by nature an aggressive, explosive person. I, I can demonstrate love freely and openly and I can demonstrate ticked offness with the exact same capacity. As a man of God and as a Christian for a long period of time, I realized the second part of that is really bad. I learned it over years of just like calling customer service and being told no. And I get very vexed at no, especially if I know there's a yes. Don't tell me a no, because you read it on your sheet. I know there's a yes when you're telling me no. I don't want to hear you no. When you hear a yes, just tell me yes. I'm being vexed right now. I feel vexing rising up in my spirit. And and I would never get anywhere, ever. Not never have that. And then, all, then somehow this scripture or this principle, okay, if I can just stay calm, I've learned that if I can speak to you in customer service and I can just keep this level of volume and this frame of reference, this peace in my spirit, and I can just keep talking, I found that about 10 times out of 10, I can always get what I want. There is a yes at the end of your no. And when you tell me no, that you can't do it, inside my spirit sort of goes, that's what's happening inside of me. But on the outside, And so I just stay like this. And I say, can I speak to a supervisor? (laughs) I tried to get United Airlines some years back to do something. They told me a situation was gonna happen. I called them and I said, this is gonna be a bad situation. Can we fix it now? And they said, we can't fix it now. I said, yeah, you can fix it now. They said, we can't fix it now. You're going to have to fix it when you fly. I said, I don't want to fix it when I fly. I want to fix it now. I know there's somebody who can fix it. When I go to fly, they're going to make a phone call. They can't fix it. They're going to call somebody. I don't know who that person is. You know who that person is. Find that person. We can fix it now. I don't want to fix it on Friday. I want to fix it today. It's Tuesday. Let's fix it. And she read the script. Sorry, sir, we can't fix it. You've got to go to the airport. And I said, I know what you're saying, but there is a solution. There is an answer. And so... I eventually said to her, can you, go, can you go to the supervisor's desk and give them my situation and come back with an answer? I know there's a yes at the end of this, no. And I stayed like this. I was so nice. I'm the person you want to take home to your mother and eat a beautiful steak with fries. And I'm going away from food. Anyway, and so, so she went away and she came back. She spoke to the supervisor and... Uh, She gave me what the supervisor said, which is pretty much what this woman was saying was accurate and I was wrong. And she told me what the supervisor had told her that I should do, which was even worse than what the girl was telling me. And so I pretty much said to her, that is a very unintelligent supervisor. Can you find another one? (laughs) This is literally what I, I tell you exactly what I said. I said, I need a smart one. This is literally what I said. Can you go into the supervisor pool? Look across the pool for the smartest supervisor you can find. They're probably wearing glasses. They're probably doing a Sudoku puzzle. Talk to that one. Ask them about my situation. I bet you there's a solution. There's a yes at the end of this no. She went away. She came back excited. Mr. Morgan, you're not going to believe it. Try me out. I did that. I went and looked for a smart supervisor. And they've solved your problem which was always the solution, was always there. They didn't invent a solution, it was always there. And then she said, not only did they answer your problem, (coughs) but your ticket is reduced by $150 and we're sending you a refund. Which all of that happened because I talked to her like I'm talking to you now. Even though on the inside of me, I was having a hissy fit. 
On Friday, I dealt with customer service and I stayed calm on the outside, but I was having a bad hair day, major hissy fit on the inside. I may have written customer service five emails that I never sent just to let my vexation vex out. And I felt I was justified. And then on Friday night, I went out to dinner with a family, with a beautiful son. And as we sat over the table, I gotta be honest, when to put everything from my day in perspective. And I just kept thinking to myself, why did I even, because you know, sometimes you get angry over stuff that's like, what a, that, that anger was a total waste of an emotion. And sometimes you just need to meet people different than you, just put things into perspective and say, oh God, I feel so convicted. I feel so convicted. Please help me be different. Is anybody in the house like that? Am I the only one? Do you know what I'm talking about? Give me a wave of your hand. This is helping you. This is helping you. So maybe, maybe this year, maybe when you feel, because you've been fasting for 21 days. You've gone from being hungry to hangry. Maybe just breathe in. Come on, Holy Spirit, let your peace that surpasses all understanding. Keep my heart and mind in the knowledge of you. And don't let me vex like a fool. Let me keep my lips. Let me be prudent. Let me be, let me be Christian. Let me be holy. Let me be godly. Let me represent your kingdom very, very well with what I do. Holy Spirit, overshadow us. We are in the position for a spectacular year. We all need help. Every one of us, myself inclusive. And we're asking you to come and help us. We need you to work on us because we want to be better for you. None of us have arrived there yet. I don't care how old and how mature we think we are. <coughs> the reality is, God, that none of us have arrived yet. There's still a journey and we want to get there. We are at the beginning of this beautiful new year. There is a clean slate in front of us. And I pray, God, that you would prepare every one of us in this book of Proverbs, every one of us, to be able to be who you've created us to be. With eyes closed and heads bowed right now, you're here and you're like, uh, John, I'm not a Christian, never prayed, never asked Jesus into my life. Uh, we're gonna unfold in the next couple of weeks a, a uh, opportunity for you to get to know God better in a fresher, clearer way. But the first step in that journey is a prayer to say, God, I wanna know you. God, I need to know you. I wanna get to know you. Make yourself real to me. I'm sorry, I need a fresh start in my life and relationship with you. We pray that every service. We've already prayed it at the 9.30 service. We're gonna pray it now. I'm gonna ask everybody in the building to pray this with me. But if this is your prayer, you say, that's me, then pray this prayer. And then I'd encourage you as the next step, tell somebody, tell your friend beside you or tell a pastor at the front or tell somebody at the Connect desk so we can help you on your journey. But if you need a fresh start in your life and relationship with God, you have that feeling in your heart. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you right now and I'm asking you for a fresh start in my life and my relationship with you. Please forgive me for all my past and make everything new. Receive me just as I am. I wanna know you. I wanna know your love. I wanna know your grace. I wanna know your power. I wanna be changed by you from the inside out. So have your way in me, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause.